You can be seated this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful for the presence of the Lord today. Amen. It's always good. I, and I, <clears throat> I say this, I'll say it again. It's just not church if the Spirit of the Lord isn't there. You can call it church, but it's His Spirit and His presence that makes it a true worship service. Amen. It's uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is. The Bible says there's liberty. And so the Spirit of the Lord is here today. There's liberty here. There's freedom here to worship the Lord. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, the presence of God is here. You can be free today from whatever problem you may have. The Lord is here to take care of that. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Revelation this morning, the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. I'm going to read some scripture here and share some things with you this morning. And then we're going to have uh, communion today. Revelation chapter number 12, chapter number 12. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 7. Amen. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 7 says this, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, Michael the chief archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon, and, and the dragon fought and his angels. The dragon, of course, we know who that is. And we'll be told here in a moment who that is. They prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Notice verse 11, And they overcame Him. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And I want to use that 11th verse for my text this morning and talk to you a little bit about overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you so much for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help me today as I minister your word. Give me the words that you would have me to say. Lord, to minister to your people this morning. Oh God, let our faith today be anchored in the blood and the cross, the blood of your cross today that was shed 2,000 years ago. We thank you for your your finished work, Lord, your precious blood. We want it to be applied to every one of our hearts and our lives today because only through you and through your blood is there redemption, salvation, victory, 
we claim those things today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. I think, I think we all are aware today that there are two forces that are active in the world today. There are two forces that are active. There are two kingdoms that are established in the world today. I'm talking about spiritual kingdoms. There are only two. There is the kingdom of God and there is Satan's kingdom. There is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There is good and there is evil. And not only that, but everyone here in this, in this building this morning are a part of one of those two kingdoms. You're either a part of the kingdom of God or you're a part of the kingdom of Satan. You're in one of those two kingdoms. You're under the control. You know, a kingdom, to, have, to be a part of a kingdom, a kingdom refers to dominion. So whatever kingdom you're in is who the king of that, the, the king of that kingdom is the one that's controlling your life. And there are only two. There's good and evil. There's darkness and light. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, of, of Satan. And there can be no neutrality between those two kingdoms. There's no middle ground and there's no in-between ground. We are in one of those two kingdoms and we today, and I'm assuming everybody here, I pray that everybody here is a part of the kingdom of God. And if you are not, before this service is over, you can become a part of God's kingdom by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. But... Uh, there, is, there can be, in, in our walk today, in our life today, there can be no new, neutrality. And um, because we either, we will either in this life overcome evil or we will be overcome by evil. So there is no room for us to be um, you know, to be complacent in our walk with the Lord because there are two forces that are at war today uh, in this earth and in, this, in the world. And so we will either overcome evil, evil or be overcome by it. So I think that it's, it's very vitally important today that we know how to overcome the evil in this world and to be victorious. The Bible says in Romans 12, 21, that do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that shows us that there are only two alternatives. And there is only one power in this universe that is strong enough to overcome evil. And the power that is strong enough to overcome evil is good. Paul said, overcome evil with good, and the only source of that good is God. He is the source of that good. So, in order for you and I today to over, be overcomers and to overcome the evils of this world, then it, we, we know then that we have to be aligned with God and we have to be have to have access to God's resources and His power that He has given us as a means of victory and has placed at our disposal. And so that's the good thing to know today that even though we are in a fallen world, 
that the majority at this, well, this world system, as we know it, is controlled by the kingdom of darkness, by the God of this world, by the prince of the power of the air. That's why that we, you know, as believers, we don't get along with this, the, the kingdom and the ways of this world is because we're not in that anymore. We've been delivered out of that. Thank God for that. Amen. But as long as we're here, there will be a battle and there will be a conflict uh, with evil and with good. And thank God that I've aligned myself, and I hope that you have too, aligned yourself with the, and gotten in the right kingdom and aligned yourself with God and, and to know that He has made available to us the resources that we need and has placed in our, this, in, in our possession the means of victory that we can overcome. No one has to be overcome by the powers of darkness. No one has to be overcome by the evils of this world because God has given us the means of victory. Can I get an amen? Now there's a key, there's something that we need to understand today and I want you to get a hold of this and that is this because a lot of people don't know this but evil is not something, evil is someone. I think I need to say that again. Evil is not something, but evil is someone. And a lot of people think that evil is just some kind of a force, but evil is a person because behind all evil, there is a person that is, that is the source of it that the Bible refers to as an individual called Satan and the devil. You would be surprised at the, at the number of people that do not believe that there is a real personal devil. But can I tell you that there is a real personal devil. He's known by those two names. He's known by the name of Satan, which that... Um, that name Satan, Satan means is one who means one who resists. It actually means adversary. It's the one who is opposed to us, opposed to God's purposes, opposed to God's plan and God's people. So just the fact that you are a child of God today and in the kingdom of God, you have an adversary that is opposed to everything you do for good. The key, there is, there is that constant conflict and warfare between good and evil in the world. And so Satan means adversary. It's the one who opposes. And the name devil that is used for Satan as well, that name, Diablos, means a slanderer, an accuser. And uh, that shows us one of the main weapons that Satan uses against us is slander and accusation. He is always accusing. And in the text that I read to you this morning, here from Revelation chapter 12, it says that the accuser of our brethren is cast down. We know from reading the Bible how that Satan accuses the saints of God before the Lord. He's always accusing you. He's always telling you you're not good enough and accusing you before God. He is the great accuser. He is the slanderer. Amen. And the Bible tells us that we are in a warfare that today that is not a warfare that's with flesh and blood. You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. 
We're not fighting a physical warfare or battle against each other. A lot of people think that's what's going on today in the, in the nation and in the world, that it's a battle between, uh, between uh, individuals against races or against people. But it's not that at all, ladies and gentlemen. It's a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle. And Paul tells us about it in, in, in um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but there is a wrestling, there is a conflict, and it's with principalities and with powers and with the rulers of darkness of this world, with spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. And so there is, there are forces of evil and darkness uh, headed up by Satan. Satan and his fallen angels and demon spirits that he uses to oppose and to work his evil in the world today. And we, as being a part of God's family and God's kingdom are in that conflict. If you are a born-again believer today, you're in this conflict with evil and with the evil one. Can I, can I hear an amen? You're with me this morning. Amen. And so there are pictures that are given us in the Bible of Satan. And as I said, evil is not something, but it's someone. And we have to understand that we're battling against someone. Satan, his fallen angels, those principalities and the powers of darkness, the demon spirits that are under his control. And so, in the passage that I read to you this morning, Satan is referred to there as uh, two things that the Bible refers to him as and gives a picture of him as. One's a dragon uh, and one's a serpent. A dragon, of course, you know, you've seen pictures of dragons. You know what, I'm not talking about Puff, the magic dragon. Amen. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a big, red, mean, um, angry, fire-breathing dragon. That's a picture that the Bible gives of Satan. A dragon pictures something that is powerful, something that is a raging, something that is fearful. And that is a picture that's given here of the devil. Also, the, the, other, the other picture here that's given of Satan in Revelation chapter 12 is that of a serpent. Now, serpent's different than a dragon. Here we have the dragon that's raging and mean and fierce, but you have that serpent that comes in slithering through the grass. He's sneaking up on you. He's there before you know it. He's subtle. He's cunning. That was, the, uh, that was what Satan used in the Garden of Eden was that cunning, subtle serpent to uh, tempt Eve and to tempt Adam and to, uh, to tempt them to, to bring them to sin. And so uh, he's a dragon, he's a serpent. Jesus said concerning the devil that he was, in John 8, 44, Jesus said that Satan was a murderer and that he was a, that he was a liar and the father of lies. So in other words, anything that Satan says, you can't believe it because he is a liar. The truth, Jesus said, the truth is not in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. He's a liar and the father of lies. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus gives a description of Satan there. 
and says that he, he was the thief that has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. He was a thief and a killer and a life taker. And he comes into our life. And that's the main objective of Satan when he comes against you and comes into your life. He comes, he does not come to do you good. He comes to destroy. He comes to steal from you. That is his ultimate objective. He comes as a destroyer. To steal, to take away from you, to rob from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And that is what Satan would love to do to every one of us. I thank God for the protection that we have today. Hallelujah that we're in Jesus Christ and in the kingdom of God and God affords us protection from our adversary. The Bible tells us to be sober and to be alert and to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, that tells me that he can't devour everybody because he's seeking somebody that will give him permission, praise God, to devour them. He don't have my permission, amen. I'm not giving him my permission. I am standing in Jesus Christ today against the adversary. How many's with me today? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, there are, there, are, there are a lot of ways, and I just want to quickly mention four ways that Satan works against us today and how he operates against us. And the main thing that he does, and we see that in verse 9 of Revelation 12, is that Satan deceives. He's a deceiver. The Bible says that he deceives the whole world there in Revelation 12 and verse 9. And so the basis, this is the basis on which the devil operates. And so we, knowing that, must guard against the deception that Satan brings against us. As, as I said, Jesus said he was a liar. And he'll take, you know, the devil knows how to take some of the truth of the Word of God and twist it to where it's, you know, it, it, it sounds plausible and it sounds right, but he puts a little error, mixes a little error with it. A little leaven, you know, he puts in there. And so he uses that to deceive. He has a lot of people today that are deceived, that are believing the wrong thing. It's amazing today the number of people that set that, that even sit in churches on Sunday morning that have been blinded and have been deceived by the powers of darkness. Amen. So he is a deceiver. We must, as God's people, always be on guard for the deception that Satan brings to us. One of the main signs that we're in the last days that Jesus said that we would, that we would see when they asked him to, to tell them, his disciples asked, what would be the signs of His coming and of the end of the world. And I think it was four times in Matthew 24 that He said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in My name, saying, I am Christ, or I am of Christ, and shall deceive many. That's why it's important to have a Bible and read it and study it and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit teach you the Word of God. Amen. And, 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 and everything that you hear here. You must, you must judge it. I don't people say, oh, we're not to judge it. Listen, we are to judge right doctrine and wrong doctrine and true doctrine from false doctrine. Come on, somebody. Amen? 
Hallelujah. I know some, sometimes people can teach something in error not knowing that they're in error. But I'm going to tell you there are a lot of people standing in pulpits today that are willfully and maliciously using deceit to twist the Word of God and lead people astray. So we need to be aware of that. Amen. In the last days, he said that there would be those that would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and we have got to be aware of that. We are up against a deceiver today and the only way we will not be deceived is to know God and to know his word. Amen? Hallelujah. So he deceives, but secondly, he also tempts and entices to evil. He's referred to in Matthew 4, 3 as the tempter. So we know that it's Satan that comes against us to tempt us and to lead us into sin. We have to resist him and he will flee from us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul makes a reference to, uh, the Satan, to Satan, to the devil. Something else that he does, Paul said that he hinders us. That goes back to the name of Satan as being the one who resists and opposes us. Uh, Paul told that church at Thessalonica, said, I wanted to come to you on several occasions, but Satan hindered us. That's one of the things the devil tries to do. He wants to oppose you. He wants to hinder you in your walk with the Lord. He wants to hinder you in drawing closer to God and being the, the Christian that you can be. Any work, listen, any work that you, that, that, that you attempt to do for God, there will always be that hindrance and opposition of the enemy that will come against you. But thank God you, and that's what we're going to talk about. I'm getting there, okay? but you have the means to overcome him and to defeat those hindrances and to be what God has intended for you to be and to do what God intends for you to do. Uh, the, fourth, uh, the fourth thing that is said about Satan is found in our text again in Revelation 12.10 that he accuses us to God to prove us guilty. He's the accuser of the brethren. This is one of the most powerful tools that Satan uses to defeat children of God is that accusation. I, listen, if Satan can keep you feeling guilty, you'll never rise up and be a match for him. You'll never be able to overcome him. Amen? God does not want you as a born again blood bought, blood washed believer to live under the guilt and accusation of sin and Satan. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The blood of Jesus Christ has freed us from that guilt of sin praise God and we stand justified before the throne of almighty God by the precious blood of Jesus and so you need to send that accuser right on down the road come on somebody <laughs> hallelujah those are some things about the devil and this message is not about the devil but there is one scriptural fact and this is the thing that, that Satan does not want you to know. There is one scriptural fact that makes it possible for us to come overcome evil and overcome him in every, in every avenue that he would come against us. And that scriptural fact is this. And you know it, but you have to be, we all have to be reminded of it. And that is the fact that Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan for us.
I want to say it again. Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary has already defeated Satan for us. Amen? The victory over Satan is not going to be won. It has already been won. It is finished. Hallelujah. And it was finished at the cross. It was won when Jesus Christ died, when Jesus shed his blood on Calvary, when he was buried and rose again from the dead. He completed that work and defeated Satan and won that victory right then and there. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, that that victory was Satan's total, permanent, irreversible, irreversible defeat. Let me say it again. That victory that Jesus won 2,000 years ago on the cross outside Jerusalem when he shed his blood, that was Satan's total, permanent, and irreversible defeat. Satan cannot change that fact. He is a defeated foe. And Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, defeated him at Calvary his cross. Hallelujah. Somebody would say, well, looking around the world today, it doesn't look like it. Well, it's a fact. I said it's a fact. Look with me at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has he and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public, talking about Jesus and what he did at the cross, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in in the cross. So here at the cross, Paul the apostle says that Jesus Christ disarmed the forces of Satan that were against us. He stripped them of their weapons and left them in total defeat and triumphed over them. That word triumphed is 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 a... is a very interesting word because that word triumph has to do with making a public spectacle of them. It was used by the Romans when a Roman conqueror would go and conquer a particular country or army or whatever. When he would conquer them, he would come back in a, in a triumphant processional, in a parade, so to speak, and he would be in his chariot with those white stallions pulling that chariot, and behind the chariot of that, of that victorious conquering Roman soldier would be the, the kings and the enemies that he had just defeated. They would be chained up, they would be, they would be enslaved, they would be bound, and there would be a triumphant procession through the streets of the city, and it would be, it would be exposing and letting everybody know of the victory that that particular Roman uh, soldier had, had, had won. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us 
and did to Satan at the cross of Calvary. Amen. It was a public spectacle that he made of them. It was a place where Satan thought that he would defeat Jesus, but it turned out to be the defeat of the enemy. It was at the cross that a display of those defeated enemies led and changed behind that conqueror's chariot. At the cross that the Lord Jesus Christ defeated Satan, all his cohorts stripped him of his power and put him to an open shame. That is good news today. And that's the thing that Satan does not want the church to know. He doesn't want you to know that. That the battle, the battle has already been fought. The victory has already been won. And you're not called upon to fight, to fight Satan himself. But you are called upon today to fight. The fight you're in is the fight of faith. To stand in faith and to believe what Jesus has already done and what you have through his precious shed blood and apply that to your life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Through the cross. See the way Jesus defeated Satan in your life and my life. And this total defeat of Satan is is for everyone who is in Christ Jesus. It's it's effective to everyone who is in Christ Jesus. Those who are in the kingdom of God. Now those who are in the kingdom of darkness still are under the control of Satan. He's still, Satan's still lording it over their life. But listen to me, I'm not in that kingdom anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus has, how did he do that? What did he do? How did he at Calvary, Strip Satan of his power and authority in my life and yours as children of God. He did that. He did that because he dealt, he deprived Satan of his basic weapon that he had against us. Do you know what what the legal, the weapon that, that Satan had, the legal right that he had to control our life was our sin our guilt. And that legal right was removed by the blood of Jesus at the cross. Jesus dealt with that basis of our guilt. Come on, amen? See, through the cross, all of our sin can be and is forgiven when we accept the sacrifice that Jesus made there. The blood, that's why he's talking about overcoming by the blood. It's what that blood did at the cross to free us from our sin, to free us from our shame, to free us from our guilt. He gave us forgiveness of our past. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad that at Calvary, Jesus dealt with my past. I'm glad that at Calvary, that old Ricky Hensley that was full of sin and controlled by Satan and was full of ungodliness and uncleanness. Hallelujah that I was in Christ on that cross and when he died, that old Ricky died too. That old man died too, glory to God and was put in that tomb and buried and when Jesus rose again on the third day, a brand new Ricky Hensley rose up with him to walk in newness of life. I'm a new man, you're a new person in Christ Jesus that is what your redemption is all about. Amen? 
And so all of that past has been dealt with. He took the requirements of the law out of the way. He said there, nailed it to his cross, paid the penalty for the broken law, which we were all guilty of. And so we are no longer required to observe the law as a means of achieving righteousness with God because it never could have been done anyway. For how many thousand years the law was in place and the Bible tells us in the New Testament that, that, that the law could not justify one single person. Christ Jesus nailed that mosaic law to that cross with him when he died, removed it, wiped it out. Those requirements of keeping the law to be made righteous were removed and now how are you made righteous? How are you justified? How is your sin blotted out? By your faith in what Jesus did at Calvary and through his blood. Come on, amen. Woo, hallelujah. Our faith is what is credited to us now for righteousness. The Bible says he's delivered us from the power of darkness. He's translated us now into the kingdom of his dear son. He's given the church, the believers, authority over all the authority and the power of the enemy. And he has given us spiritual weapons today, listen to me, to overcome the enemy. Our weapons are not fleshly. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The most powerful weapons that we have are found right here in this text today, saints of God. Right here in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, it says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life to death. You notice in that text that there is a personal conflict. It's between they and Him. The they being the children of God, the Him being who? Satan. The, the, the accuser of the brethren. And that personal conflict, the they and the him, that is a personal conflict that we have. But in that text there is also a, a total commitment. It says that they did not love their lives unto the death. That's a very important point because it's only those who are totally committed to God who love not their own lives but are totally committed to Him that, can, that have the authority to use these weapons and that are going to be victorious against the attacks of the enemy that come against them. Oh, I wish I could get every, every believer today, every Christian, everybody that names the name of Christ to, to, to surrender their all to Jesus and be totally fully, wholeheartedly sold out to Jesus and totally committed to Him that we would not love our own life but we would love Him and put Him first in everything that we do and in every area of our life. There's a total commitment that's involved but then He gives us the weapons there. He gives us three weapons in that passage. And let's touch on them. He gives us the blood of the Lamb, the Word of God, and the testimony of the believer. The, word, the blood of the Lamb, the Word of God, and the testimony of the believer. And they overcame Him, Satan, by, number one, the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. When, when, the, when, when the 
Apostle John mentioned the blood of the Lamb. Every Jew knew what he was talking about. They knew that he was referring to, back to the Passover, the deliverance from Egypt in Exodus, when the Lamb was slain. What was it? And oh, what a picture it was of what Jesus did at Calvary. What was it that delivered Israel? I mean, nine plagues had came and nothing would release them. Miracles did not set them free from the bondage of Egypt. Amen? We're wanting miracles. And God is a miracle-working God, and He does miracles. But miracles, see, people today say, I want God to do a miracle in my life and set me free. Listen, what, what, what it takes to set you free, God's already done it 2,000 years ago. But nine miracles or eight or nine miracles did not liberate them from Egyptian bondage. It took the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. And when the Lamb was slain, God had given Moses the outline of what to do. He said, you'll take a lamb that's without spot. You will kill the Passover lamb. And you'll take some hyssop, drain the blood of the lamb into a basin. And then you'll take hyssop and dip the hyssop in the blood. The hyssop was a little plant that grew around there. And you'll dip the hyssop in the blood that's in the basin and strike the lentils and the two doorposts with the blood. The blood was placed on the door of the house, on the top and on the sides. None underneath because the blood is never to be trodden under our feet. It, was, it actually made a cross when they went across and down the sides. And he said, put the blood over the doorpost, over the lintels of the house. And he said, you go into the house and none of you come out the door of the house until the morning. Because he said, the Lord is going to pass through Strike the Egyptians. And he said, when the Lord sees the blood on the lintel and the doorposts of the house, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. See, the lamb was slain and the blood was caught in the basin. And the blood in the basin, and here's the point. I've preached on this before, but we've got to understand this. The blood in the basin didn't protect anybody. Are you listening to me? The blood's been shed at Calvary and the lamb's blood was slain and put in a basin. But the blood in the basin, in the bowl, did not save anybody and it did not protect anybody. The blood had to be applied. The blood had to be transferred to the place where the protection was needed and placed on the doorposts of that house. And the application of the blood was made with hyssop. They dipped it. The father of that house would dip that hyssop in the blood and sprinkle that hyssop on the side posts and across the top of the door of that house. And in every Egyptian home throughout, throughout the land of Egypt, there was blood sprinkled on those doorposts and those, those, those Israelites, those Jews were inside their homes eating that Passover meal. Hallelujah. When that death angel came through that night, there was a, the firstborn of every family in that land of Egypt was dead the next morning except in those homes where there was blood applied to the house. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah. Where there was blood applied to the house, they could have carried that bowl of blood and set it on the table and it would not have done them any good. It had to be applied to the house. Let me tell you something, church, today, Jesus shed his blood 2,000 years ago. The blood has been shed, but it's up to you and it's up to me to, to take the blood and personally apply the blood to our life today. Hallelujah. We gotta have the blood of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. There must be a transference. Somebody was talking here the other day about, well, you know, that Jesus, Jesus paid the price for everybody to be saved, in which he did, but, and that everybody, God's not holding anybody's sins against Everybody has been forgiven. They just don't know it. Let me tell you something. The blood has been shed for everybody. But every person must apply it personally to their life with their faith. What is the hyssop that transfers the blood from the, from the cross, from the, from, the, from the basin to our life? There's some, you know, they used hyssop. Well, we don't, we don't use hyssop today. And we don't get a basin of blood. The blood's been shed. But we have to make that transference. The application has to be made. The blood and the protection and the victory has been made available, but it has to be applied. To transfer the power of the blood to the place we need protection and victory, to receive the benefits of the cross that He has made for us there is not just something that's automatic. Of course, you get born again by accepting what He did and placing your faith in what He did. But then after you get saved, the same principle applies to living in victory, to overcoming the enemy, the same blood. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? The same sacrifice, the same blood that was shed on that cross to get you into the kingdom of God, to remove the guilty stains of sin from your life, to justify you, to sanctify you, to cleanse you. And those are things that the blood of Jesus will do. But that same blood that was shed to bring you into the kingdom of God is the same blood that will give you victory over Satan, over the powers of darkness, and that will defeat every enemy in your life. Your victory today. I know we think sometimes, well, you know, it's through the blood of the Lamb that we get saved. But then, but then I gotta do something else to have victory. I gotta do something else. There's some other way. Preacher, tell me how I can overcome the enemy. Tell me how I can, how I can be sanctified. Tell me how I can overcome sin. Tell me how I can be victorious uh, over temptation. Tell me, preacher, what do I need to do? Get Give me some steps. I'm not giving you no steps today. There's, this is a one-stop sh one shopping today. Come on. It's at the cross. It's through the blood and the same blood that was applied to your life to save you. It's the same blood that will heal you. It's the same blood that will...
will give you victory. It's the same blood that will defeat the enemy in your life. It's the same blood that will give you power to overcome all the power of the enemy. It's by the blood that they overcame him. Come on. But what's the hyssop? What's the hyssop? Where's the hyssop? The hyssop, oh hallelujah, is given in that verse too. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The hyssop that applies the blood is your own personal testimony of what Glory to God. Of what Jesus did there for you. And testifying to the power and the efficacy of that blood and applying it with your testimony and praise and faith to your life. There has to be a testimony, folks. There has to be. It has to be spoken out. There had to be a testimony for you to get born again, amen? There has to be an application of the blood for you to get saved, and there has to be an application of the blood for you to overcome the powers of darkness. So this this is what the writer here that John is talking about, and the Holy Spirit is telling us today that we have got to make that testimony that testimony of what the blood, what the cross will do for us and has done in our life. When we come today to the Lord's table, and there's so much I could talk about, but I don't have time. But let me just, let me, let me just say this. We have, here's the things we need to testify to. We have redemption through His blood. Bought out of the Slave market of sin, Satan. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus. And Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. That's your testimony, right? Hallelujah. You've been redeemed. Ephesians 1, 7, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. You've been redeemed by the blood. Well, then you need to say so. You need to let the devil know you know so. You got no right in my life. You have no authority over me. I'm not a slave to you anymore. Sin has no longer any dominion over me. I am the redeemed of the Lord and I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What you did, you just took some hyssop and dipped some blood all over you. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. And the enemy can't touch the blood. Come on, somebody. We have redemption. We have forgiveness of sin. We have cleansing from sin. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? The blood keeps me pure in an unpure world. The blood keeps me clean in the midst of impurity of this world. Amen? We need to make that our testimony today. As I walk in the light, as he is in the light, The blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing me now from all sin. Come on, somebody. 
We have justification through His blood. And if he, our, uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, that we have now been justified by His blood. That means to be made righteous. That means to acquit from sin. That word justification means that to hold us guiltless. And we've said it before, and this is the best definition I know of being justified. It is just as if I'd never sinned. Come on, amen? Hallelujah. We stand before God acquitted. God, because of the blood of Jesus in our life, has said to a guilty person, now because we have Christ, that you are now not guilty, but you're innocent before God. That's the answer to Satan's accusation. Put all that the blood has done to us. When we come this morning, as we are doing, to the Lord's table, we must come with faith in the cross and in the blood. We are doing this in remembrance of Him. There is no saving power in this grape juice. But our faith is not in grape juice and our faith is not in an unleavened wafer. These are the the emblems and the symbols of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And when we receive and partake of this communion supper, We are to remember and believe and place our faith and take some hyssop of our testimony and apply the blood to our life, receiving the benefits of the cross in our life. When you you come today and get this cup and this wafer and take this supper, you can say, I believe I'm saved, forgiven, and healed because my faith is in the finished work of Christ and I believe in the blood and trust in the blood. Your battle cry today should be, I proclaim the victory of the blood. I am blood washed, blood bought, blood justified, blood safe, blood ransomed, And I proclaim the victory of the blood of Jesus and claim every benefit that He's given to me. Satan has no place in my life. He has no control in my life. He has no dominion over my life. And I overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I believe in the blood. I testify to its prevailing, overcoming power of the blood of Jesus for total victory in my life today. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for what the blood of Jesus means to us today. For what Jesus has done for us at the cross 2,000 years ago. And the blood has never lost its power, Lord. It's still as powerful, as as mighty, as pure, 
as holy as it ever was. And we receive today those benefits and blessings that are ours through your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Father, for the victory that overcomes the world, the victory that overcomes the enemy in our life through the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. The worship team is going to, uh, going to sing something today as we're preparing to receive the communion elements. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand. As I said, we're doing this a little different today. <clears throat> but we're going to ask you to come and take one of the cups and just return back to your seat and then we will all uh, partake together, all right? Read some scripture and we'll partake together and we'll pray and place our faith in the Lord Jesus for our victory today. This is a time of heart searching. It's a time that uh, we examine ourselves, the Bible says. If there's anything in our heart that's not shouldn't be there it's a time to apply the blood to that ask forgiveness to clean make sure we're clean before the lord amen all right go ahead and sing something guys and you can come up and if you want to partake of the lord's supper today come up and get a one of the cups and return to your seat away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus for my pardon this i see nothing but the blood of jesus for my cleansing this i plead nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow but the blood of Jesus nothing can for sin alone nothing but the blood of Jesus not of good that I have done nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other found i know nothing but the blood of jesus amen praise god amen amen
Praise God. Father, we do thank you today. We do thank you for this opportunity to receive the communion elements. We pray and place our faith in your finished work. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read some scripture. We'll all protect together. There's one little foil on the top or a little cellophane you can pull back to expose the wafer. And uh, then the foil that pull back to get to the juice when we're ready for that. Let's, uh, I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. You have your bread. If you would break the bread and receive of the bread today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until He come. We thank You for Your shed blood, Jesus, and for the power of the blood of the Lamb. Would You receive the blood, the, the cup? Now let's give Him praise and thank Him, Father. Jesus, we thank You. We praise You today for the victory through the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for justification through your blood. Thank you, Lord, for victory over the enemy, for healing, for all the benefits of Calvary in our life today. We receive them and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a praise. Yes. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Go ahead and sing us out of here. God bless you all. To come back tonight, 6 o'clock.